This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Movement. Go to Movement.com slash BCPod for 15% off your order today. Today's show is also sponsored by NatureBox. Go to NatureBox.com slash BadChristian for 50% off your first order. And today's show is also sponsored by Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress by going to casper.com slash bcpod and entering the promo code bcpod at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Yo, can you fornicate in your marriage? Hit it, Joey. Yo, I do that every night in my marriage. <laughs> I like getting nasty. nasty, nasty shit in my marriage. Oh, bad Christian nasty in my marriage. Bad Christian porky. So, so are you saying that you have to repent after making love with your wife? No, the only way we can be turned on is if we say nasty shit like we're fornicating. <laughs> you have to simulate premarital to get the action back, to get the vibe <laughs> right. I mean, otherwise it just it doesn't hey, make any sense. What do y'all think about role play within a marriage? Because it seems like you're fantasizing about adultery, which seems like it wouldn't be good. You mean like I if mean, you, can if it you really be healthy? As like a police officer, and you you know you pull your wife over or something like that. Yeah, or like uh, Jessica comes into your room. Hey, and whoa, whoa, whoa! This. Don't even, don't even, you don't even need to go any further. You don't be <laughs> well, nasty. Bridget that's my, comes that's in. That's my bride. Bridget, don't talk about about my bride. What were you about to say about my bride? Bridget comes into Matt's room, pretends that it's his classroom, and he's the college professor. And she says, Hey, I really need some extra time to study. And Matt starts touching her. Why is Joey always so detailed with all his fantasies and, and well, always with sex? No, look, he, I mean, look, tell he's me. He's reading that, that, that off of a paper okay. in his journal. I mean, this is really disturbing. Like, he has three or four scenarios about Bridget and seven or eight about Jessica. I can see them written down on his notebook there. That cannot be good. That's what I'm saying. Is it just Joey it, has played the, the evil. Uh, <laughs> Joey's played the annihilationist professor who's going to teach that young co ed how God doesn't send them to hell forever. Joey has what you call the, the really unhealthy way of dealing with the dark side. He has a journal called Joey's Dark Side that has all the things to never do. And then he writes these super long, drawn out stories about remember not to Very ever. Detail. Yeah. And then there's just you know these really long essays of things to avoid <laughs> remember never kidnap the person out of a home depot parking lot with a, then take them out into the tree right with the detailed instructions hey. about how we would tie the knots and stuff like that like do, no, do not do that <laughs> hey Don't i do, do I, I do want to tell you all this because you guys are my friends and you care about me and you you guys are analysts with the whole depression thing i want y'all to know that Right now, currently, depression has rised up into my heart, and I'm using coping strategies as we Tell speak. us some real-time like, coping strategies. Well, I am definitely uh, reminding myself that it's not reality, that the things that I'm feeling and thinking are not true. I'm reminding myself that uh, I will not feel this way once it is over, and so I'm trying to... I guess a good word is disregard, mm-hmm. trying to disregard. But huh. the feelings are there, but I, I really do think 
just the thought of saying, well, yeah, but this stuff isn't true, and you wouldn't feel this way about this mm-hmm. stuff if it wasn't for uh, your mental illness. Can you tell us, like, what's the thing that, like, and you don't even have to be specific, but in general, like, what's the thing that's getting you down? Yeah, like, that was what, gonna say, you, what, you articulated specifically there, said the things that I'm thinking are not true. So that kind of begs the question. And I'll try not to make fun of you, I promise. Right. But what are well, those actual thoughts that you're telling yourself are not true is what, is what everybody well, would want to know at this point. Well, first of all, I don't know if this is the case or not, but the feelings came first. Like I was doing just fine, I don't know, forty five minutes ago, and then I just, I just, and and it's been a while too. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've been doing really well, and so then, um, my daughter came, my daughter came home from school, and immediately I start thinking, she's growing up too fast. Am I spending enough time with her? Am I a good dad? Like, is it really a bummer that she comes home and I'm still working? Is this what she's used to? Does this happen all the time? Um, it does. Is there any secret pain going on in her head that she hasn't talked? Oh, like, man. pretty much all of it is directed towards her because she's one of the most important things in my life. Um, but it's it's really crazy. I need to even step out of all those thoughts because when I'm not struggling with depression. I'm not processing that stuff. Let, I'm just like, no, this is cool. I'm not the perfect dad, but we're having fun. This is awesome, and I don't have anything to worry about. I don't need to beat myself up. I mean, it really is just a completely different, almost like a different brain that you're using when mm-hmm. it comes to processing that information. That, well, that, I, w- I would say this time, though, th- I don't think this is depression. I, th- I think you're right. You are you are a real shitty dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are. I mean, you are. I mean, I... I've thought this for a long time. I'm glad you've now kind of clarified it and said it out loud, put a name on it, but you are a terrible father. Your I mean, children you are, do have a lot of inner pain because of yeah, you. I mean, <laughs> because of me. <laughs> Every day's literal agony for her. Well, let, let me explore that a second, though. Like, what, I mean, I don't think maybe that joke is that even that far off. So there's a couple of ways to do with that. There's the one, I mean, this is a real question for me. I would want to take an approach as because something I really value and think is important is being an authentic and what I would say is an integrated self and this is counter to what I was saying before about a journal that you that's I mean some of your mentality almost gives me that point of view like you have this detailed thought life of good and bad and what's right and what's wrong and that's like the bad side of you and trying to cut it off and make it separate from you but it is a part of you not those jokes we were making but there is the bad parts of you they are real so one approach is that super supportive pep rally thing that's not you you're wonderful and don't let anybody tell you any different you're the greatest you're the coolest you're the best no negative and, thoughts and ever. real quick let me that, but for that, clarity for clarity purposes did you think that that's what i was telling myself just now no, no, I'm, I'm just saying a, even even a therapist or anybody, there, there's the notion of saying you take those bad thoughts about you being a bad dad. Of course, you're not a bad dad, and you reject those. You don't let that self-talk c- come about you. And I'm just wondering, is there an approach that is to completely own and acknowledge because everything you did say there is partly true? And I yeah. don't think that should be more depressing to you for sure you fail a lot as a dad for sure yeah. there's things that you do that cause your daughter's pain that is real and is your fault that is a hundred percent true i agree so how learning how to live with that is a maybe a different approach versus the one that tells you uh don't think those thoughts they are real thoughts and they're actually true things but 
you probably, by trying to push them away, I feel like when they come back or bubble up, they might be exaggerated. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing is I, I don't I don't push away anymore. Like the, uh, the gosh, I, I forget what sort of information I've said on this podcast. But I know I've talked about my most recent therapist, but she said, you will always distru- struggle with depression. Almost, almost for sure, you will always have this struggle on and off to different degrees. And she said, I would recommend you just seeing it as a friend. Oh, it's you again. Okay, well, I guess we're going to be hanging out right now and just go about your business sort of deal. But uh, another thing that she told me that was really helpful was she asked me if I unconditionally loved myself. And that wasn't a, you're great, you're valuable, yeah. you're worth it. She said, I mean, do you love yourself? And it caught me dead in my tracks. I was like, unconditional love for myself. Because I really had to think through, well, what does that mean if I unconditionally love myself? And so my answer was, no, I don't think I do. Yeah, I talk a little you, bit about that with the dudes in, in, when I do the True Men events, and that is a real struggle. And I, and I, obviously, this goes for men and women, but just talking even uh, just amongst you two dudes right now, um, it, it is really hard to not think you're being egotistical or thinking too highly of yourself or being selfish or uh, silly by saying you love yourself unconditionally or that you have worth. Like those uh, those ideas are a little bit foreign to the normal everyday life for a good person. Like a good <laughs> yeah. person f- struggles with those thoughts of uh, oftentimes my worth is valuable and it's needed. Even like this, that's that's what where, where your depression is lying or finding itself today right now, Joy, sounds like in self-worth. You're not worthy of your daughter's love. You're not worthy that uh, you're a, a, to be her dad. Uh, those thoughts are creeping into you, and that that is the thing that's interesting too. Like, I don't know if you can see it as a friend. Like, I have uh, like an inner ear thing that where I get dizziness, right? So yesterday I was in Kroger, and all of a sudden the whole world's spinning a little bit, and I'm weird. And the way sometimes you talk about depression is you can't move forward, and you can't keep going. But at that exact time, like right now, when you're thinking when you're thinking those thoughts, it also must be tough because it is the, even that moment is the exact time you are kept away from your daughter you know what i mean like you are kept away in in your head kind of trapped in your mind and thoughts you know where whenever you're having those thoughts it doesn't allow you to spend time with your daughter it doesn't allow Mm -hmm. you to go make something with her or cut up or have fun like that that exact time must be really difficult because that is the exact time where you're not really being there of course you have to work she knows that. Everybody knows that. I mean, she she needs things, and, and mm-hmm. you you have to provide for your family. So that's not something – I mean, of course you can work too much, but I don't think you – I think you make an effort to do that. So, like, right now, the thing that is keeping you away from your daughter or the love and the joy that you have of your family is your brain. Like, it's, that must be extra tough because well, that's search, keeping yeah. – that is the thing. That's a feedback yeah. loop once he – he realizes that too. Am I right, Joey? And then that's a little feedback right. loop. But, uh, and, and what I was going with my dizziness or whatever, it, it does seem hard to that, – that would – that would be hard for me to swallow too. Like I can't just go on. It's not a friend that visit visits me or whatever. Like it's not. Oh well, here it is, and now I'm going to keep moving. Like it seems like it's almost incapacitating. Like what, that's what, what I'm saying. Like what like, are you talking not, about? I I am moving on right now as we speak. I'm not in. I didn't decide I need to go to bed because I don't no, feel no. good. Right, but I'm saying you're moving on. You're moving. You're moving on with an with something like. It's right there with you. It's not a friend. It's not, uh, oh, well, this is my time of the month, and here it is. Like that, it, I just don't know if that's like, I, I'm not disagreeing with the lady. I'm saying that must be also really difficult because it's not like, oh, well, here it is, and I'm just going to keep moving. Like you're not moving the exact same way you would without it. 
You might oh, be okay. moving on, yeah. but but you're anchored in depression still. Like you might be moving on and trying to go about your day, but you're stuck a little bit in this thing where you can't get out of it. And so the same yeah. way as me, like I can't, I'm anchored a little bit by what, you know, when I have health problems or whatever, I, I you know, it's the same thing as catching the flu. Like you can try and go on with your day and send emails and do all that stuff, but it's right there with you kind of in a shitty way, I guess. Yeah. So I, I don't know what one of y'all said earlier that sparked this thought. So y'all are probably going to ask, Hey, what's the tie in? And I'll say, I don't know, but y'all said something that made me think of this, that I have definitely changed my thinking on the whole, Oh, it's, it's all God brother. I can't take any credit or anything like that. Like I, I, I think that there is a time and place, and is it is it worth something? Do we need this? Nah, not really. But I don't think that it's a, a bad thing to say um, to to Toby who leads a worship set or something. Man, you are really good. It looked like you worked really hard and you pulled this off. Like I, I don't know if it was the the Mars Hill in me that felt like. Uh, oh, everything we do is because of God. Nah, I don't know. We could probably be lazy out, you know. So if you want to, if you want to go so far as to say, oh well, I God, have, I have no idea what you're talking about. By the way, I don't exactly. I mean, I do know what you're talking about, and you're right. I have no idea how it ties in, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think. What ahead. are we talking about? <laughs> just, <laughs> just based. Are you saying that as a worship leader, you wish you had told me more I worked hard? He's no, talking no, about no, no, humility no. and false humility and attribution of things to God. I don't know why, oh. but that's, that's I, the territory we're exploring. Yeah, I think, I think at Mars Hill, there was like this, <laughs> this mentality of you suck, even as a Christian, you suck, and everything good that comes out of you is from God. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I always felt like, Anytime someone complimented me, I should probably defer that. And when I give someone a compliment that's a fellow brother or, or something like that, I should probably say, yeah, I mean, I know, I know God is doing this, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think there's a problem with saying, no, props to you. Mm-hmm. You're doing a good job. It's just... Uh, well, there's not... Know. No, but there's not, it's not a problem with that. But with, when you're talking about leading worship and preaching and stuff like that, like that is the whole issue I have with church and leading worship and all this stuff is... It is a job or it isn't. Like either it is a job or it isn't, and so that that's the thing where it gets really gray for me because if it's a job, then hell yeah, it's a good. Hey man, kick ass job. That's really awesome. There should be no weirdness about that. But if it's for the Lord, well then the glory goes to God, and it's just well, I'm doing this for the Lord, and you do it too, and we're worshiping together, and I'm just I might be the worship leader up here with a guitar singing, but you are also a worshiper. And we're in this together, and so that that's where it gets murky for me sometimes. Yeah, totally. Let me tell you guys something that God can absolutely not take credit for, and that's movement watches. <laughs> because the guys that started that company made movement watches, and they're awesome, and they deserve credit for it. And let me tell you how much I love and we love movement watches. Movement God, watches is something that I wear and I genuinely like it, and I'll admit, it's not something I would have gone thinking about or trying to shop for until they came on as a sponsor and said, you got to try out our product. Now I have a movement watch, yes, and I, that is why I have one, but I love it. I like it so much that I got one for my wife, and Reva has one too. So my wife, Reva, and me all have movement watches that we wear, and let me tell you something about it. People ask about it. People ask when I'm wearing the thing, which always makes you feel good. And so that's my personal experience is just that 
I feel good about it, and other people ask me about it. So that's um, that's on the right track. Now these things start at just ninety five dollars, and if it was in a department store, you'd be looking to like four or five hundred bucks. But Movement figured out that by selling them online, they're able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price. It's classic design, kind of minimalist is the way I like it, and that's that's their style, and it's what I dig. Over a million of these things have been sold. I see them all the time. I notice them sometimes on TV. I watch TV. I see somebody wearing it. I said, there's one. Anyway, you guys can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns if you go to mvmt.com slash bcpod. Now, this thing's got a great clean design, makes a great fashion statement. Now is the time to step up your watch game. So go to mvmt.com slash bcpod and join the movement. Can we? Can I give a thought on the depression thing that came up for me? If we can go back to that for a second, or we I, I had a really good thought too. Okay. I've got a I've got a third direction I want to go to. Have y'all ever well, been? Also, to Joe, Joe, your Joe, mic just Joe, your mic just messed up. You're on internal yep. mic now. You're on your internal mic right now. Um, Matt, I'll let you speak first, and then I'd like to say mine. So you have you have the floor, my friend. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is, I, I'm going to give it like I. I it may not be helpful to anybody, but maybe it will be. We so I'm going to speak of my experience. Nope. So Joey, what, when Joey describes depression, obviously it's very foreign to me. And I'm just going to try and see if I can figure out any reason why that that maybe maybe could be helpful to people if they could be in charge of their mind and what they tell themselves. The whole thing to me, and forgive me if it sounds judgmental or something like that, but when you're in that mode thinking about your daughter and what you do and how bad it is and damage you may have caused and is it good or bad, that, it seems to all be trapped up in morality type of stuff in your own head and self-judgment. But I find that there to be an air of uh, selfishness and arrogance just in the, and I think Toby was hitting on that a little bit, and forgive me for, I'm just speaking the, the way it comes across. I don't actually, I'm not judging you for this. It feels like you're, what is who to me, who never experiences depression or any, I don't even identify with the any of the things you're saying. It comes across to me like, why is this guy so obsessed with himself and what matters about what he does and how it affects other people. Like, I don't, I mean, I would say in my experience, I I don't ever think about myself. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag about that, but I don't feel, I don't even feel like me as a person is a thing. Like, I don't even feel like I'm here. Like, I'm, I, I have eyes and I'm seeing the world and I'm interacting with it, but I spend almost no thoughts about who I am. Like, there's those things, I don't even think about that stuff. Like my Is identity and who I am and what I feel like and what do people think about me, those aren't even thought patterns I have. I'm just seeing the world like an animal. Like there's stuff, here's something. It's all external for me. I don't know if that's an introvert, extrovert thing or if it's something wrong with me. But I don't ever sit back and self-assess myself, good or bad. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even think about I'm not even that self-aware. I feel like a, a, you know, like think about a baby for a second. I was thinking about this. All, I, my daughter, she doesn't even hard, she's just now getting to be even aware of the fact that she is her. You know what I mean? For the first year of her life, she didn't even know that she was her. Like if she slapped herself in the face, she didn't even know whose arms those were hitting her. You know, when you're yeah. an infant, you're not even really conscious, but you're barely conscious at that point. And so once you get this super involved self-talk and consciousness, and you're just so aware of yourself, that's a really dangerous and powerful thing. And if you direct it yourself, it's crazy. And I think that's kind of what a lot of drug use and escapism is. It's like, like you, you ever see somebody shoot up heroin or like in a movie or something or take pills, it turns them like almost like into that baby state where you're just barely self-aware. Yeah. Like you're just not even, you know what I mean? And that's why it must feel good to tune out. But there's something related to that 
ability to have that fo- focused consciousness on stuff and then focusing it back on yourself that has to be I'm not judging you for being selfish. I'm just saying that's a bad direction for your consciousness to be aimed at is right back at yourself like that. I've really been having these thoughts lately that our society and culture are actually driving us insane. And that I know I'm not the first to say that. I know that tons of people have thought these thoughts and and believe this, but there has never been a time where self uh, judgment has been more prevalent in our life and and choice un un filtered unhin uh un, un uh what, what's the word I'm looking for here uh, in a way that choice is completely available at all times for anything mm-hmm. you can change or choose almost anything that you want right now so there is no way to totally feel confident in yourself we used to be back in the day your your day consisted of trying to stay alive <laughs> like mm-hmm. seriously like you you woke up and went i gotta find food i gotta kill something or find a plant and eat it and i gotta make sure that this you know the hole in my you know tent is patched or whatever it is you know what wh- whatever it is so there wasn't time necessarily to think about self because you were just alive the same way as, as i think animals still get the benefit of that like they're just you know of course i think I actually even think that animals have emotion and maybe sadness or joy or whatever it might be. Just just from my dog Maybell, I see that. But um, at the same time, I don't think she self judges herself that well. I just, like uh, last night, Jess and I get in bed, right? And, and Maybell self judge. That's right. And Maybell farted, and we both died laughing. I just couldn't believe it. It's so funny. And she didn't think anything about it or anything. She didn't have to apologize. She didn't think, oh shit, I, I farted in front of them. And, and, and that's just a little funny story, but. It's crazy to me that like if I farted in front of somebody, I might need feel the need to apologize. I might be embarrassed. I might think, shit, why did I do this? Yeah, right. I ruined a, a job interview. Uh oh, what now? Here's this. All these there's a million thoughts that go into my mind, and that's where we're at. Joey actually we live in a time where we have enough time to think about ourselves because it might be necessary to, but also it's maybe driving us insane. And and here's what here's my here, here's my two thoughts uh, that are going to be really not good. Uh, one is, what other thing do you pay so much money for, and it, it you don't? I mean, it works until it doesn't. Like that's what's so frustrating about the drugs that you take and the drugs that people in depression take. It always seems like it kind of works. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people I hear some really good stories, but the majority of friends that I've had in life that suffer from depression, like your your uh, counselor said, Joey. You're going to have this the rest of your life. Like she's telling you, you're going to have this the rest of your life. And you also are kind of resigned yourself that you're going to be on medication the rest of your life and that it'll help some. Yeah. The like only that's, the, that's I, tough I, for me. Yeah. No, no. I understand what you're saying. And I've thought about that too. But me not being on any medication, at least in this season in my life, is yeah, nothing like what you're getting right now. I mean, no, I. I, I I no, I'm not, we're you. not judging uh, you. We're just speaking for you. No, no, no. This isn't a judgment. I'm just saying it's tough. That that's what it, it's so frustrating with me with healthcare and the way things are. Is that like it? It's like here. Here's the best we got, and that's where we're at in this day and age with all this technology and stuff like that. The best we got is Joey is taking a a, a drug or several drugs, and it'll still show up. It's going to yep. show up whenever you know. Same way as my skin condition, I take a shitload of antihistamine, but it still shows up sometimes. Now the other thing is, let me ask y'all this real quick: um, 
What do you do now, like with your oldest or maybe with Gwenny, Joey, when she says she's scared of the dark or there's a monster in there or something? Like she goes, like you go, hey, somebody's <laughs> in the bathroom downstairs. Go in the bathroom upstairs in our bedroom. And what if Gwenny said, I'm scared, it's dark in there and there's a monster in there? What do you tell her? Um, Like at this point, after years and years of saying, hey, don't worry, there's no monster. I, like I all def- this stuff. Like what do, you, what do you say in the moment? I, I don't want her to feel humiliated, but I definitely get firm with her for sure. I'm like, Gwenny, yeah. there is nothing in your room. I would not allow you to go in your room if it was dangerous to you. Like, you are completely right. fine, and there is nothing to worry about. Right, so you basically treat her the exact same way and actually are trying to be yourself and what you think is true to her. Like you're not, you're not holding back going because she feels this way. You're not going, Hey, listen, I, I just want to, you know, like, like you are firm where that's the exact same way I am with my kids. I kind of feel like I, that's the way I want to be with you. Like, I don't want, I, I don't know if I should change. <laughs> you're going to go the other way and say, and that doesn't work for your daughter. So <laughs> no, I think it totally does. I think it totally does. Like I, like last night, Ruby comes to me and goes, I don't want to, she went and, uh, sat, somewhere and i was like hey you were supposed to go be brushing your teeth in our room she's like it's dark in there i was like ruby that's our room you come there once or twice a week sometimes in the middle of the night at 2 a.m when it's dark telling us there's something you know that's hilarious and i I was straightforward with her and that's what i'm saying like i i feel like being myself with you when you you are this is the right thing to do now that sounds like it's abrasive it might feel abrasive. I'm not saying I want to be rude or mean or embarrass you. That's not what I want to be. But like I I appreciate like getting to joke with you all the time. Like it doesn't matter what we're going through. Like if something bad happens to me, I want you to be Joey to me. Like that that's that's what I want. Like if if something's rough in my life or whatever, I want you to be Joey. Now that does mean being sensitive. I understand that, but that doesn't mean like I, I think like us asking you these questions and talking about this and being real about it helps me understand a little bit. Like I, I I appreciate getting to joke around and be Toby that I always am, even though you might not necessarily be where you Joey at the moment. Mm-hmm. Same way as, you know, if I'm if I'm sick and have the flu or or a broken arm or whatever, I might not be fully Toby, but I want you to be Joey. I always want you to be Joey. And so I think that's one thing that I've been thinking through too is like the the same way as with my kid, I want to be the same person. I want to say, hey, Joey Fuck yeah, you're a good dad. I would say that whether you're the happiest or the lowest point in your life. Fuck yeah, you mess up. Yeah, sometimes you're the worst dad. You make bad decisions. All those things are true, and you know you can trust me that I'm telling you the truth, that I'm not catering to a situation, but it's Toby, and I want to be that. That's that's like, yeah. that. that but, it, it, it makes me feel like deeper in relationship with you if I can be my true self yeah. all the time. I mean, I, I I agree with everything you're saying, and I will add this to it. You can't be upset, however, with how I react because you, you don't have that sort of control. So in other words, sure, oh, sh- be yeah. completely Toby, and it, it may not work out well on my accord, and if that's fine with you, good. Yes, it is. I, that's what I'm saying. That still is your response to me. Like if I'm joking about Donald Trump or something, I don't know, uh, and you're like, dude, I just not, I just can't go there. I'm okay with that, but I still got to be me, and you got to be you. Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? Yep. Like the thing that I don't like is I don't want to tell my daughter, hey, listen, monsters are scary, and you know, I know this, this, and like every time that just I don't, 
I think that's not really me. Like there's sometimes I need to be that way. And I think I would see that or learn from it. And if I was too harsh, of course, I don't want to. And like you said, Joe, I thought you said that really well. I don't want to embarrass my daughter. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I would not ever want to do that or, uh, or not realize that, Hey, she is scared right now. Like I always try to say that, like like Ruby, I was like, I understand it's dark. You're scared, but that isn't what's actually happening. All that stuff is, just, I just, thought you were going to have the the counter insight there to you just tell your daughter, oh, look, I'll go turn on the light. There's no monster. Now you know the truth and you won't have to feel scared anymore how ineffective that is. Like on the other hand, you see that, right? You could tell them, oh, I can prove to you there is no monster. Oh, yes. And then yet they will still be scared. Right. So my, 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 my point is if I do that yeah. or I do the other – I got to at least just be me. Yeah, like, I, I that's interesting. To, I have to have authenticity or else I feel like I'm not being a, a friend of Joey or not being a good dad to my daughter or son. Like, I, 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 I do to, respect I, that thought too. I guess I'm not completely tracking with you, brother. So okay. let me ask you this example. So what is being like Toby? Uh, okay, let me you, ask you. I'll, I'll answer with a question. No, 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 no. Hold on. Let me Let me just give you my scenario. When you come to my house to be with me because one of my kids just died, like what is being Toby? You're, all right, what here's, what is being my, Toby in that, that situation? Depression, nothing happened. It is one hundred percent in Joey's skull. So I'm sorry, Toby, Joey. I've uh, you know maybe listeners out there, but at least me, I've I've kind of heard you guys go down this ditch before, and. Really excitingly, we have an amazing guest today. It's Jonathan Martin. You guys know Jonathan Martin because we saw him at Audio Feed. But he was recently in the news for being, you know, police escorted off of a college campus for some of his thoughts and views, Liberty University uh, to be specific. And we were lucky enough to have him to get to join us right here today. So, Toby, I actually think you have something to tell us, and I think it's something awesome. It's Nature Box. So tell him about Nature Box, and I'll ring up Jonathan on Skype here because he's, he's ready to go. All right, folks, we all want to eat better, but when it comes to snacks, sometimes it feels like the whole world is delicious and a billion calories versus boring and tasteless. That's exactly how I feel after Halloween candy week. Weekend uh, just never stops. It doesn't have to be that way, though, and that's what's so cool about Nature Box. Up your snack game with Nature Box. Nature Box has over 100 snacks that taste good and are actually better for you. All snacks are made from high quality, simple ingredients, which means no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners, so you can feel good about what you're eating. That's what I love about Nature Box. Personally, I love feeling good about what I'm eating. So often in my life, I've not felt good. With Nature Box, you can. My favorite snacks, uh, let's see, I'm going to tell you, I, I love the hot stuff like sriracha roasted cashews. Man, I dig those. But if I'm looking for something kind of fun and sweet, I like mini Belgian waffles, you know, stuff like that. I mean, the list is unbelievable. You can have anything you want almost. It's crazy. You're sure to find your new snack obsession at Nature Box. They add new snacks every month inspired by real customer feedback the latest food trends, and professional chefs. It's so simple. Just go to naturebox.com, choose the snacks you want, and NatureBox will deliver them right to your door. And there's no risk. If you ever try a snack you don't like, don't eat it. It's that simple. Don't eat it. NatureBox will, will replace it for free. So right now, our, our listeners, NatureBox is offering bad Christian fans 50% off. Let me say that again. 50% off 
That's half if you're bad at math like me. Your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash badchristian. That's naturebox.com slash badchristian for 50% off your first order. Naturebox.com slash badchristian. Well, if it doesn't matter, then I won't worry about my hat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to work better for sure. So <laughs> I have not left the house today. Uh, so, yeah. That's and you're your- at, where are you at? In Tulsa? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, you're not from Tulsa, are you? No. I'm that don't sound like it. No, I know. That's not Oklahoma in my voice. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I've lived here in Tulsa for about two and a half years. So it's still relatively new to me. And you you grew up in Charlotte? Mm-hmm. Yeah, born and raised there all my life before this oh, yeah. move, so it's been a big one. That's right. Us, yeah. th- us three met at, uh, in Rock Hill, South Carolina at Winthrop University. No way. Y'all went to Winthrop? That's yep. amazing. I-, I went to Gardner-Webb for my undergrad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. That's so great. Yeah. So, so Jonathan, uh, so uh, here's several... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to yeah. say it's probably the same thing right. Toby's going to say. So, yeah. Jonathan, we we rode with you. Uh, you remember we saw you and rode in the van back from Audio Feed uh, a few months ago. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I Jonathan, was so honored you know. to meet you. And then uh, yeah, a couple of days ago, people started sending us this article about that Jonathan Merritt wrote. We think Jonathan Merritt is great already. And it was about this guy getting kicked off the Campus of Liberty, and somebody forwarded it. And Toby's like, I'll try and get that guy, whoever it is. It's like, okay, cool. That sounds like a good story. And then I was like, oh, that's Jonathan that we rode with back. So it's somebody we know. Yeah. This is going to be great. So I'm glad we could get you in short order while this oh, thing sure. is still kind of unfolding, I guess. Right. Right. No, I appreciate the opportunity to be on and, uh, you know, just think the world of you guys and got a lot of mutual friends. I'm honored to be on, to be well, sure. Well, good. So this is, should be a real easy one because we, we know you a little bit already and there's just sounds like plenty of story to tell. So instead of, you know, yeah. trying to do anything fancy, I, I just I don't think everybody's read the article. So just tell the story. What's going on? OK, yeah, that sounds great. Go for it. Yeah, go ahead. This where, <laughs> oh, just jump yeah. in. That, that was the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Just, what's, what's going on? We've started. Okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't know where to begin. I mean, I've been um, – it's a unique season for us in history, and I've been pretty outspoken about the Trump phenomenon in general, um, which to me really doesn't have anything to do with the uh, conservative – liberal right left continuum i don't love those words but as we as we know it i thought there's so many things that are that are kind of unique about it and jerry Falwell jr in particular has been one of a handful of prominent white evangelicals who just you know it feels like he's been kind of a full-time apologist for the trump administration and the the whole arc of that in the last couple years everything from when trump made his Remarks after Charlottesville equivocating both sides. Uh, Falwell Jr. was one of the only people that I knew of who were prominent evangelicals who explicitly supported that. Or, uh, you know, even last year, um, you know, encouraging Liberty students to to conceal and carry, to bear arms in case of some kind of an attacker. I mean, so many things that may have been odd. But last week, when um, Falwell came out and called for an evangelical army to partner with Steve Bannon, which at this point to me is so clearly identified with white nationalists, white supremacists, to partner with him to oust fake Republicans. What does that mean, I fake mean, Republicans? Just, Tell me what that means. Well, evidently, people who, uh, people who that are uh, people that are opposing Trump's agenda. So he called up people like John McCain, you know, et cetera. So, I, you know, to me, it's just, 
that's kind of what pushed me over the ledge to say some things on Twitter last week. And uh, I had been contemplating this for a while because I don't, I, I didn't go to Liberty or anything like that, but I have a number of friends there, both students and faculty. Um, I know faculty in particular is in a position where they're not able to speak their convictions because he so carefully screens any media contact there. And I, you know, I, I, I just had it in my heart for a while that I feel like I need to go to Liberty and try to encourage my friends and be involved with something. But that was the nudge for me to say, okay, I, I think, I think I want to move forward on Twitter. I'd said that I would be looking in sometime in the next few months to it would be part of some kind of a peaceful action that would be oriented around prayer and repentance, that would not be angry in any way, would not you know, mock anybody, would be constructive, not destructive. And you know, that was that. I've been in contact with a number of uh, folks from Liberty who are interested in that kind of thing. Let me ask, you, yeah, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you un- I don't know the, the tone of it exactly, but I, I imagine Liberty's not monolithic. Do you get the sense that there's a lot of people on Liberty that are not in lockstep with Falwell? Or is it just that's, those are oh, people, or, 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 like that's what I don't know anything about? It's not monolithic at all. In fact, I, I mean, I, I have no data for this, but I mean, my sense of it is I would say, you know, possibly even a majority of people in the liberty community are not comfortable. Even people who are more politically conservative, I think a lot of it are just not comfortable with the extent to which, you know, Falwell has backed Trump's every play and all the controversy and scrutiny that's brought to the university. So, you know, I, I went I, I went there on a whim, really, because I'm good friends with the band, uh, Johnny Swim, my friends Abner and Amanda had invited me to come to their show at Liberty. So especially with all this rolling on, I thought, okay, I'll go to the show. I was looking for an opportunity to go catch a show on this tour for them anyway. And thought while I was there, I would connect with some of the people I'd already been speaking to online, just to have some time of prayer because I really didn't want to kind of do this thing of just, Hey, deciding this is what we're going to do. I really feel like it'd be important for us to discern some things together, kind of be on the ground. So the idea was that I was going to go to the Johnny swim show Monday night and get together with a small group of students uh, we projected to have maybe 15 or 20 to pray outside in front of the library just to, for a sense of discernment. And hopefully then that could kind of be a catalyst to push the conversation further. So I went to the Johnny Swim show. It was beautiful as they always are. Afterwards, I was hanging out with them in the green room when the head of uh, Liberty's police uh, comes inside, says that, you know, he needs me to go outside. Wouldn't say what it was about. I get out there. There are actually five armed uh, police officers, and he says as soon as I get out the door, sir, you're not welcome on this property. This is private property. You're trespassing. Uh, if you, uh, you know, they shined a flashlight in my face to take a picture, had me sign a paper, said if you ever step foot on this campus again, uh, you'll be subject to immediate arrest, told me I was banned for life uh, from the university, and then waited with me <laughs> by the curb until a, until a car came to, like, take me off, you know, just, so that was... Uh, so yeah, so that's what happened uh, Monday night. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds. I mean, there's a lot of more questions to to get through there. Uh, that stuff that I don't really know the background. There, I don't know what the, what else there could be to the story, but there. But that sounds uh, a little obnoxious. I mean, you were in. They were in the green room. I mean, I just think of that from my point of view. I mean, we played a lot of colleges. I've been in a lot of green rooms. Right. And I can't imagine what my band would do would do if somebody tried to come on our bus or our green room and, and escort a one of our friends. <laughs> like, I, wow, I just can't imagine that. Just just with those facts alone, I just can't imagine that situation. 
Well, they were very upset. I mean, keep in mind, it's a public concert. I have a ticket, and I'm there on the invitation of the band. Concert was over. I mean, it's not like I'm a disruptive presence in any way. So, you know, yeah, it was really... Okay, so obviously really- y'all are asking a bunch of questions, though. Like, the band was like, what's going on? Why is this? And I'm sure you were asking the yeah. officers and the people say, why is this happening? What did they tell you? Uh, would, would not give me a reason. Only said, this is private property. My superior told me that you're not welcome here. There was no answer beyond that. And you haven't gotten an answer since? Oh, well, uh, uh, not really. I mean, Liberty and uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. himself um, graced me with statements yesterday on the internet, which I think is, you know, is funny. Yeah. Their, um, their response, I hate, to, I, I try to, I don't want to be too sarcastic about this, but it does make me laugh. Their response was that, you know, that the, um, the the event, which again was going to be a small gathering of a handful of students with me praying, would have to go through proper channels, would have to have paperwork filed, et cetera. Now, keep in mind, they didn't tell me not to have it. They didn't say, you can't do this unless you have paperwork. They banned me for life. But the statement I thought was so hilarious is they said that what they did was the only way, that was the language, the only way that they could have prevented the right. prayer gathering Tuesday morning, and uh, they and they managed to get in a dig, which to me is a vintage Falwell Jr. move. Is that this person who shills in front of the cameras for Trump every week? And uh, frankly, I feel like is a bit of an ambulance chaser for media attention. If you challenge him publicly, then he says you're just looking for publicity. And it's a publicity stunt. And part of what I think is so hilarious about that, I mean, I feel like the way that they removed me, that was the stunt. Right. But then he wants to say that me talking about it is a stunt. You know, but again, that's what authoritarians do. And I feel like in that way, Falwell Jr. is not unlike his friend, President Trump. And, that, you know, and that's just that's how he does business. And like if, if there's pushback, it's this sort of schoolyard I know you are, but what am I? Kind of response. Yeah, which so, always so distracts one, from the issue. So then it's and, back in. And one that. of the things I want to like right. is so just like I don't know him that well. I always, you know, knew his dad. I'm I'm, I'm an older dude, 41, but uh, he. So Falwell is seriously pro Trump, right? Like, didn't they have like Anthony Scaramucci come on and speak at the, on campus? They kicked you off, but they had yes, him sure. on. Like, yes. maybe you can give us some information. Like, Falwell is super pro Trump. <laughs> you might say that. Yes, yeah, super pro Trump. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so the, the Mooch is in. I am out. That was the same week. And, the, and that was their convocation, you know, chapel yesterday, by the way, oh, required man. attendance of like 14,000 students. <laughs> so that's, and in some ways, like, again, not to be mean about it, but it's like that right there tells so much of the story. There's been a lot of this. It's like, you know, uh, nobody loves to be criticized, but some of this, like, I, I can't help but be a little bit amused. The week, not, I mean, to be clear, at the time, the experience was actually pretty unnerving. But as things are progressing, you know, I feel like there's only so much you have to say because I, in some ways I feel like their actions, even this week, they just make the case so much better than I would know how to just by doing what they do. Like just being, so it, so the, the reason you went there, though, like, like fill in the listeners, too, on this, like, is because you think they are linking politics, Republican Party, even potentially Steve Bannon, you know, white nationalists, whatever. That is why you went there. Like, what were you hearing? What What was the reason why you actually went there? What What is your you have beef against Trump? What What is it? The catalyst for me to be involved to begin with were two things. One is that I hear consistently from students and faculty there, and I'd underscore faculty because you know students 
can technically stay say what they want, even if there's some kind of you know peer pressure or whatever. But faculty in particular, I mean, cannot speak to the media without his express approval and all that. It's an institution of higher learning. So one, what I kept hearing is how much just the you know people's voices are being suppressed there that they're not in a place where they can uh, say what they really think. And I think that's a problem. And two, um, the fact that Falwell Jr. as the leader of one of the largest Christian educational institutions in the world continues to drag the name of Jesus into the white nationalism of, you know, Bannon, that, that, that form of Trumpism. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's just too much. And those are the two things really that I feel like I needed to address in some form, though, again, the trip in these last couple of days was not the intended forum to do that. Let me ask a few questions coming from another direction to get a good grip on it. Um, so just, you know, I'll be something of a devil's advocate for a second here. Sure. How many people are you expecting to show up? And how did you talk about it on your social media? Because I did read the statement from Liberty, and they were like, well, yeah, this is yeah. private property. And so if somebody's going to hold a thing, there's proper channels or whatever. Sure. So we'll explore that. But what was and, – and they said the fact that you had posted on social media that you were holding an event on their campus, and you're not, neither a student yeah. or faculty or anything like that. So what what was it that you posted and called for people to do? And, and was that real? You were expecting 14 people? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really, based on the interaction I'd had with students uh, so far, I was expecting again fifteen twenty. I had what I all I had done uh, was the night before. Well, you know, actually about midway through the concert, I'd said, "Hey guys, I'm in town. If you guys want to meet to pray?" Uh, I thought that just having a simple prayer gathering, as low key as that was going to be, would not be something that require permits or whatever. But once again, just to be clear, and I know a lot, a lot of you know, I have a lot of Christians who are friends who have done arrestful actions and that kind of thing. That's not what I was coming in for. So if they would have simply said, hey, you can't do this on campus, or, or I'm sorry, we can't do this unless you submit proper paperwork first, I would have been okay with having it off campus. And I still end up meeting with some students off campus. But to me, the fact that like the immediate response is to come to the concert I'm at as a, you know, again, as a ticketed guest the night before and ban me mm-hmm. from the property forever just underscores the authoritarian tendencies of, the, of Paul Wells, leadership in particular, that set me out to want to engage to begin with. Mm -hmm. So like if I was trying to think of a parallel situation, let's say on the campus of Yale, I'm really pissed off and in touch with some, a few students I know there, you know, 19 year olds that are having political correctness issues and worried about, I don't know, gender pronouns or something. And I, and it starts to bother me. And I announce on social media that I'm going to go hold a protest and rally in the, in front of the girls dorm at Yale tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know the rules, first of all. But I, but I I don't have the expectation that they would that I would be able to do pull that off. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, wh- yeah. I well, assume I wouldn't I be able to do that just because it's me and I want to. Sure. So how how is that in your brain that that you thought you could go do something on on? I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on their private property. Well, it wasn't. It just it wasn't a protest or a rally. I mean, mm-hmm. it truly was praying with a small group of students. But I think there, again, the fact that, like, there wasn't even a, a request on their part to not do that or to say, like, mm-hmm. you know, to say we can't let you. The fact that their only response is to ban me forever from the property and drag me out of the green room of the Johnny Swim Show, to me, says a lot about just the posture of the administration in that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the I mean, way I saw it. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, just, I can tell yeah, you, you go ahead. I, at the divinity go schools I went to, I mean, like, I went to Duke. I can't imagine those scenarios, somebody trying to bust up 
a prayer meeting like on the grounds like that. I, I, I feel like it is especially preposterous if you when I start to think about that happening in another place. Yeah, I just you know again yeah, if it was sure. a proper protest or rally, to be sure. Yeah, so it w- so you didn't use any language of protest or rally. That's what I'm trying to get at here. The, in, in, in any of your communications, oh, no, no, no. demonstration, any of that? No. no that now to be clear, in the the earliest what I uh, com- communication I had, I'd said that I would like to be part of some kind of a peaceful prayer oriented action on campus that would be you know mm-hmm. constructive, not destructive, et cetera, et cetera. But then I was clear that when I was on campus and I was there, that I was just there to kind of hang out, listen, learn. And just pray with some students. Yeah. You know, this this was not that. I was just trying to kind of connect with some folks on the ground. Yeah, and I can imagine that too. Like, I mean, I've been to college, and I, I mean, I visited colleges. I didn't get permission to go, and I can't imagine seeing fifteen people sitting around praying and somebody going, "Hey, see that one guy? He's not a student. Get it? <laughs> get him? He can't. Yeah. He's not allowed to do sure. that." So, you know, I'm just trying. Right? To get how how many public the whole thing. people were there that night? Like. It, they, a lot of public people, not students, were at that show as well. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah it was it was open open to the public. To be yeah. sure, plenty of people that weren't Liberty students. Well, I would like to get a little bit too, a little bit deeper into the issue. What? So, what are you saying? Do you, are you like what makes you pissed off about church and uh, or, or Trump and and church and Trump and Christianity? Or like what? What is the danger you see with that? Like with with uh. Jerry Falwell Jr. and Liberty, where, maybe you can explain to us and, and the listeners what what is going on there. Like, why is that a passion of yours? Well, the danger I see is that, um, you know, I would say again to me, this at this point doesn't have anything to do with the continuum of conservative liberal politics. I feel like the unique, the demonization that takes place in the larger Trump phenomenon. You know, it's one thing to say it's not the government's job to take care of the poor or refugees or immigrants. It's another thing to demonize and vilify them. I hear from Christians I know all the time who work in the nonprofit space that, you know, how much they're struggling to get basic funding right now because, you know, when you demonize people and you say, okay, now let's pass the plate, try to help them in some way. It doesn't really work. I really feel like at this point, people like Falwell Jr. are so conflating nationalism um, with Christian language. I don't want to say Christianity because you get to a certain point to where, I don't even feel like at this point it's a, it's a deviation of Christianity. That, that would require a certain amount of imitation. Yeah. All they're doing is co-opting Christian language for something that is deeply antithetical to the teachings of Jesus, the spirit of Christianity, etc. So, I mean, I, I feel like what's happening right now is nothing less than the emergence of a new, of, of, of a kind of new civil religion that doesn't actually have anything to do with Christianity and its essential character. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to read one of your tweets that really uh, struck me. Uh, you were you were replying to I think you were replying to Liberty University, but it said, "Throw me out, discredit me, whatever it it doesn't matter. I'll be out here talking about the ideas." And that line specifically really struck me very strongly uh, because what, one of the things I think we're hitting on here, maybe talking about, is free speech within Christianity. I don't right. know if we have that. Like I know, I, like. One of the things Matt and I were talking about this earlier today, there is a real suppression within Christianity of not uh, allowing people to have ideas. Absolutely. And, and, and it's based in fear. It's based in worry that they'll lose control and all of those things. And so that is when when I hear this story about you and Liberty University, that's what it sounds like. This this sounds like a real they're scared that at a prayer, you know, a prayer vigil or whatever, you know, a prayer group or just 
praying, even though you literally are praying to our God and our creator, Jesus, that, uh-oh, a subversive idea might come in, that somebody yeah. might walk away thinking Trump isn't the best. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's happening, right? Is, it like, is, that, is that what you meant by that tweet of, uh, talking about ideas? Oh, totally. And I mean, part of what's significant about that, too, is I, I'm not acting like I'm a big deal, but I'm quite certain that I was enough on the radar from things I said before. You know, I, I'm pretty certain they know that I'm an outspoken practitioner of Christian nonviolence, you know. So the idea yeah. that they act like that's some kind of a threat. Oh, on the other hand, though, arming 21-year-olds, you know, encouraging right. them to get some care, <laughs> that's not dangerous at all. I mean, I just, but no, I, I think you're exactly right. I feel like that there seems to be a fear of, you know, robust dialogue there. And I know that there's suppression with staff. Mm -hmm. The trick there, of course, is that nobody at Liberty will, can go on record because, you know, <laughs> there'd be consequences. Yeah. Let's but talk, I just think. Let's talk about these ahead, authoritarian. No, go ahead, please. Uh, let's talk about these authoritarian types and their tactics just a little bit, because I think I have a decent grip on it. Um, I would put in this category. I don't know that much about Falwell, but he seems to be playing the same parts that that Trump does. And uh, there's a lot of people like this. Mark Driscoll falls into the category. They're they're really really good and skilled at uh, gaining really utilizing the power of having uh, the ability to take the power that they have and then name things and call people things and set the tone yeah. for situations and distract from yeah. the ideas and suppress ideas. They, that's like more important and they're better at that than they are engaging ideas or having point. They're great. They're charismatic. And it's just this skill set that once you get used to seeing it, you could kind of can recognize it. And uh, yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't know as much about Falwell, but it, do you really think that this, like, what is genuine and not genuine about his points of view? You you think a lot of this stuff is just calculated press, and if so, what is what is his end game? Is it what do you think his motivations are? Well, I will say this: I don't actually assume uh, that Falwell is insincere. I don't question the authenticity mm -hmm. of his faith. I think what is happening a lot right now is that especially for evangelical Christians who have this kind of theology of influence. Influence is a kind of doctrine. Mm -hmm. And so like when you haven't had a seat at the table of power before, and then you have one, and now all of a sudden like you have access to other powerful people, to media outlets, I think a lot of people really believe, oh, well, uh, this is like Daniel or whoever in the Old Testament. God has raised this, this me up, and clearly God has raised up this king, you know, for me to have access. So I think especially in the name of that the kind of idea of influence, that a lot of things go. So I, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily just crass political calculation. But on the other hand, I feel like part of why it's easy for someone like Paul Jr. to be attracted to Trump, even to Bannon directly and some others, is I think that you know a lot of the a lot of what's driving in that world right now are not there aren't theological or ideological uh, proper ideological commitments at all. Just this kind of pragmatism pragmatism is what rules you know mm -hmm. so like i think like sometimes like there's not it really is it about there is it like exactly faith that's underwriting that so much it's just kind of whatever gets the job done because uh, i feel like if you really pay attention to Fabio jr um he does use the language of faith but i don't feel like it's so much like him trying to make a theological argument for his views i feel like he fairly openly argues for compartmentalizing your faith from your politics hmm and what is the what? What are we all talking about here? What is the goal of of Christians being united? Like, why would somebody like Jerry Falwell Jr. want to be united with that? Like, is it? I mean, 
Is it power? It right or wrong. He sees it right uh, as a right and wrong. He sees it as saving America or something like that. That you, mm. Joey, that's what you're, you you think. You think like he's he thinks Donald Trump is bringing America back from the horrendous yeah. eight years of Obama or something. Yeah, like that, liberals right? and and Democrats are seen as mm. evil in 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 many denominations. I mean, my youth pastor told me that when he saw Clinton sw- being sworn in. He swears that there were snake eyes, <laughs> and he's being serious. <laughs> Look, it's just like I, I, I could tell. It was like I'm the more eyes cynical than awful. I have a more cynical take on it than they just believe it. I just don't. I, mm. I, 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 mine is maybe more aligned with Jonathan because he mentioned that thing about having a, a seat at the table. Once you feel power, once you mm-hmm. get a, a whiff of it, now everything else, this is as cynical as you can be. I'm not making it specific judgments about individuals, but once you start feeling that power and get a taste of it, you want more of it, and then everything else becomes pawns, at least yeah. in the people that are the most yeah. dissociative, that have personality disorders, that are egomaniacs sure. or sociopaths. Like sure. to the, to, and, and that is true about me also, but more so to the people who yeah, are disordered. Now, if I have, you know, once you start having power and a taste and a feel for something like that, and, you, and it's influence, and you know that you have it, the other stuff becomes like, oh, the more I demonize liberals, the more of this I have. And it makes you reinforces right. that you are doing the right thing. Like the fact that you get That's to right. feel good and, and say you're on the right side and saving yeah. other people is a great cover, even if it's unconscious to you, which I think these people are often blind yeah. to what they're really motivated by is the problem. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, everything else is just a pawn. It's like, oh, I can throw it, lob a grenade at Hillary, who actually is bad, do something for God, who actually is good, and I gain. And I gain. And the point is for me to gain influence. Uh, the Bible says God gives us power. And look at the power he's given me. Watch this. Mm-hmm. Here comes this gun story. Watch how, if I react this way, I'll get even more power. Uh, you know, you yeah. confuse that with blessing from God and up, up you will go. And so if you can align yourself with Trump and get a seat at his table, well, that's God raising you up and giving you more opportunities. But really, I think you're, the impulse is just a very, very pure one as much as kids to candy. And and so, I mean, but where does that lead? Like, Jonathan, what do you think? Do you think that they think you're not a Christian? Like, are they trying to, in their statement, I, I read it as well, are they yeah. trying to imply that you are subversive and bad against God or America? I, I don't think they've said that. Now, Falwell released a separate statement yesterday on Twitter. And as he uh, and one of the things he said, which I thought was really interesting, um, he said, you know, uh, he, he mentioned that I have said that the nationalism of him and uh, Bannon and Trump is destructive for evangelical Christianity. I've absolutely said that. The next thing he said was that Martin is apparently a globalist. And that just made me laugh because I thought <laughs> it makes me laugh too. I thought, what the hell? I mean, I've never used a word like that in my life. And it's like, no, I'm like, I'm not a nationalist or a uh or a globalist. I'm a kingdom of Godist. You know, it's like, but I feel like in his vocabulary, you know, that's that's the prism through which he it's sees a weaponized the world. It's not even term that he knows that people that term. listen to Alex Jones like to say globalists are bad and do pedophile child rings and associate you with John that's, Podesta that's and Hillary right. Clinton. That's why I use the word globalist. That's oh, a, it's a tactic. That's right. It means nothing. It, <laughs> it means, means nothing. Of course. That's you know. It just but they threw and then he said this, and I thought this was interesting. He accused me of being intolerant because he said, you know, Martin apparently doesn't believe 
that you can be before. I think I'm quoting this exactly. Martin doesn't, apparently doesn't believe that you can um, support President Trump's America First agenda and be a Christian. Whereas here at Liberty, we believe that you can embrace all kinds of things and still be a Christian. Well, Whoa, even, they're the progressive I, ones. <laughs> they're the progressives. Yeah. Well, beyond any, any questions about just how supportive they are of people having their own views. Uh, and this is how I responded to that today. I said, like, you know, okay, so to be clear, I, I would never say that individual people who endorse uh, Trump's America First agenda are not Christians. I'm not willing to call their faith into question that way. I will absolutely contend that America First is not an intelligible Christian position. I don't think it's a legitimate Christian position. That's not to call people, judge people's souls. But no, I don't think it's possible. I mean, I feel like, to me, there is no way that you can say America First without implying, in the same way that like, early Christians said, Jesus is Lord, and, you know, parentheses, Caesar is not. If you say America first, parentheses, kingdom of God is not. You know, that just doesn't, that doesn't fly. And I do think that nationalism is a kind of idolatry. I don't know any other word for it. You know, if we're looking at this through theological terms, that is what it is. But could you disengage the uh, aggressiveness, of, the aggressiveness of that statement that you can't be that way to maybe... Like, uh, I guess when you say America first, you mean literally America first above all things. However, it could be a reasonable position to say, I think America over Iran, given those two. That's that. Could that be the the lightest version of America first? Because I feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I I like America better than Iran. uh, Yeah. So that's me. I hear you. But I I think it's like, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's possible. Maybe that's the lightest version. But the problem Mm -hmm. is right now. You know, what we're getting is not a light version at all. Right, right. But, <laughs> right what we're yeah. getting is a very dark version, you know, and it's, and it's mainstream now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what's so scary is, like, when the ideology of somebody like Steve Bannon is, is in the mainstream. Right. I mean, I could be wrong about this because I have a lot of serious disagreements with Jerry Sr., but I can't imagine him or any of the religious right of that generation aligning themselves overtly with someone like Bannon. Maybe it'd be course, implicit. Yeah. Maybe there'd be some association, but I don't think it'd have been okay to like to, to to openly latch on to someone known to be connected with the kinds of things that he's connected. It's one of the most bizarre that things in the world to me that un, the immediate unlinking of of morality from republicanism and Christianity and politics. Like it's right. not completely unlinked, but I mean, oh my gosh! Like, and on the other hand, I am astonished at how moral police fun police the the left people are have become I, like my head is spinning totally. right now that there's yeah. this group of people who want to be very very judgmental about everything you say and do oh yeah that's the left and then there's these people that morals right. be damned you just do for you whatever is best for y'all and that's the right i mean what what the hell yes. happened i'm i'm lost yeah <laughs> Hey, well, yeah, real, that's, real, that's all true. Real quick, Matt, because I since your head is spinning, let me just take a, <laughs> a quick little break here. Jonathan, uh, pardon us, real quick. I want to talk about Casper, and uh, I, my wife and I, we ordered a Casper just a few months ago, and it came a king size mattress came in a daggone box. It was just unbelievable opening up that thing and just seeing how it unfolded and all that. But here's the deal: when I sleep on my Casper mattress. It was made by an in-house team of engineers that spent thousands of hours developing this mattress. It combines supportive memory foams for sleep service that's got the right sink and just the right bounce. 
It's a breathable design, sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. And uh, it's it's just, uh, it's here's the deal. There's zero risk because, first of all, it's an affordable price because Casper sells directly to the customers, so you're not paying too much. But then you have a 100-night trial with free, no-hassle returns if you are not happy. So over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. It's quickly becoming, the, I mean, quite frankly, the Internet's uh, favorite mattress. And this is based on Casper, Amazon, and Google reviews. So designed, developed, and assembled in the USA, which is who we've been talking about just now. And uh, so I, it's just, uh, you, you don't want to pass it up. And here's what we're asking uh, our listeners, or here's what we're offering our listeners is a $50 towards any mattress purchase. And you can go to casper.com slash bcpod and uh, use that promo code at checkout. So $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash bcpod. Hey, I, I'm curious about this, uh, Jonathan, because this is something that we actually get flack for, and I understand where people are coming from, but let's just say, let's just say you are not on this show right now, and we're talking about this situation, and we're saying... Oh, Falwell, that's full of shit, man. This is just ridiculous. How can a Christian leader be representing Trump and blah, blah, blah? A lot of people would say, man, you guys are Christians and you're attacking the body of Christ. You ought to be ashamed oh, of yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what's the tension there? Because obviously, sure, we need to be loving towards our brothers and sisters, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying this whole keep your mouth shut when things are going awry. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I, I suppose there is a tension there. I think part of what's happening, though, is that, um, I'm so sorry these dogs are going bananas and I have no idea why. A um, little color, dark time. Uh, hey, you know, Jonathan, not kidding. Jerry Falwell Jr. is outside your house. Get yeah. out. You got to get wonder, out. I wonder if they, they found me in Tulsa. <laughs> They're here. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, well, I feel like part of what's happening, actually, is that it's it's so weird to me right now that if you critique any of that, that you're called the ones who are divisive, because I have never heard such divisive rhetoric within the kingdom as I do from people who are supporting this Trump phenomenon. I mean, there's such a rigid sense of who's in, who's out, you know, who's right, who's left, you know. So, but I, I feel so. I think, that, but see, that's what I would say is I feel like it's also an authoritarian tactic. Is that you? You know, when anyone speaks out against you, mm -hmm. oh look, they're being divisive. They're out to get us. It's a way always of distracting from the real conversation. And I really do believe that part of the reason that white evangelicals have been so uniquely susceptible to the Trump phenomenon is because we have so many authoritarian leaders ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, like, that's the, the way that's We're totally true. And the reason that the way that one works is it's not even this is the greatest part about being an authoritarian is once you big dog it and are strong and the tough guy and the dominant thing, you get all these weaker people. And I'm sorry, they're just weaker, less powerful people that are that like the notion of allying with the powerful and they do the dirty work of going out there and saying don't criticize your brother in christ do a matthew 18 on them or do whatever that is that's all weak people feeding into the authoritarian system that's been set up and they maybe not even realize it they just think hey that's our team don't attack it like they're not 
they're not trying to do anything even that bad, but that is one of the things that the authoritarian leader is very aware of. Like, oh, they'll do that part for me and, and you know, take care of these people and criticize them. And that's just the way it is. As if the biggest, most powerful force that has uh, the money and the wealth and the platform and the influence, as if those, if that's the people who need the most backup. It's the same in any culture right. of, uh, where anything happens, where sexual assault, all those things are the same way. It's like, wait, why is the person that already has the power the one that gets also gets the benefit of the doubt? That's the crazy part, and that's right. not healthy that's in right. any system. But it's the way it is. Yeah, yeah because I mean, because it to me it's it's crazy for someone to work so hard to have publicity to expose themselves online, and, and oh, that didn't sound good. But basically, to get more exposure online and more Twitter followers and a better follow on Facebook and all this, but then when they do something wrong that that should be critiqued and should be talked about, that's when, hey, my privacy is very important. And, yeah. uh, and I just think that, if, if, that. If, yeah, if your aim is to have that platform and to have that influence, it also comes with the territory that when you do something sucky, people are going to know about it and we yeah. should talk about it. I mean, yeah. and and I think that Toby and I were talking earlier on how just we don't we don't want to th- throw stones. That's not the deal. Sure. I don't believe in in throwing rocks at the wounded brother in right. Christ, but let's at least be able to talk about it. And I I feel like if if that brother or sister in Christ, if they're not willing to say, "Yes, I screwed up. Right. I, I I am wrong." Then, you know what? Maybe it looks like throwing rocks, but that's not the intent. The intent is to say, "Wait a second, everybody. This is wrong." And it's okay to say so. Yeah. Well, I think like in my in this context, for example, like I really go out of my way to not level ad hominem attacks against follower or anybody else. I get I don't question the sincerity of their faith. I don't say that they're not real Christians, even though I I strongly disagree. Like the America First thing I said, I don't feel like that's a defensible Christian position, but there absolutely are Christians who hold that position. Like I don't I mean, I really and that's that's part of where I feel like. Where I, what I want to continue to do in this conversation, like as it goes, is I'm not going to be distracted from this conversation. This is the conversation I want to have around authoritarianism, around what happens when you collapse nationalism with Christianity. That's the conversation, and you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not just going to be taken off track because I feel like a lot of what happens, and we're getting so used to, especially right now, is a lot of circus, you know, kind of sideshow things that happen, insults, personal barbers, or whatever. That's again just an attempt to deflect. From having the real conversation. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, I do you why, think that, so go ahead, do, Joy, sorry. Do you think that are are we are we witnessing a transition out of all this BS? Because I mean the, the very behavior that we're talking about and and how you were treated, it seems like the masses are not down with that. Even yeah. even in the church culture. I mean, are are we transitioning out of this authoritarianism? <laughs> You know, so here's my thought. My, I think sort of in this way, and this is why it's kind of a, a little bit of wait and see. The generational divide right now, I feel like, is so deep. I mean, I feel like it's it's at some point will could even be like a full schism because you know, like the the folks that have moved more in this direction, you know, especially in terms of older white evangelicals compared to younger generations. Not just liberty. I mean, I was at Taylor University a few months ago in Indiana, had a wonderful experience. You know, I feel like. When I meet Christian college students, they care about justice. They care about mercy. They're looking to find a very holistic kind of integrated faith. 
they're actually pretty nuanced in how they talk about politics and all that. So, you know, it just remains to be seen, like, can all that hold together without a full scale split? One way or the other, though, I think as people, I don't want to say die off, you know, as people continue to, to age, like, and all that, I think that's that okay. what's coming to mind be different. Yes, you know, <laughs> I think that will be something else. Yes, I yeah. think that, that is shifting. Jonathan Martin, take the quote from this. Jonathan Martin looks forward to all white evangelicals dying and taking a dirt nap. Is that your quote? <laughs> uh, I think I can I can think of some websites where that will be the quote. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, where, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, where where can our listeners find you at? Where where, where can they find and some of the books that you've written as well? Um, my website is jonathanmartinwords.com. Uh, on Twitter, it's at the boy on the bike. And if people are looking for books, my most recent one is called How to Survive a Shipwreck from Zondervan. I've also got a book out from uh, Tyndale called Prototype. Working on the third very slowly right now because I'm traveling a lot. But that should be coming out sometime in about the next nine to ten months. So, Very cool. Are you doing any speaking uh, in near Nashville? I'd love to see you. Uh, you know what? I was just there like uh, three Damn weeks it. ago. Okay. Uh, United Pursuit put on an event like a weekend thing. I spoke there and spoke at a church called Legacy. So, but, you know, kind of between like, like I get into town and my girlfriend's a singer songwriter. So that gives me reasons to get in Nashville. Uh, she lives here as well, but has to make trips for work there a lot. So yeah. I, I get back. I'm sure I'll be there sooner rather than later. Very cool. All right. Well, cool. Jonathan, we really appreciate you coming on. I know it's been a crazy couple of weeks here for you. So thank you for coming on and joining us, man. We sure do appreciate it. Oh, it feels like a sane, safe space. So thank you. <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Like, that's our goal. Calm, safe, sane space. That's what, that's... <laughs> hey, can, can you... Can you tweet that? Can you say bad Christian? Are they're they're safe? <laughs> I would say I would say other people know. Yes, I think that's legit. Totally. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jonathan. We sure do appreciate Thank it, man. Yes, I enjoyed it. Yeah, take care, Jonathan Martin. Everybody. All right. We are in a just the the like. Here's the thing. I I keep I keep coming back to this. Us three are not that smart. We're goofball <laughs> friends who've been just friends forever. And all we allowed ourselves to do was record our dumbass conversations. And in so many ways, we've been right. And I just am so excited. <laughs> about what? That, what have we been right about this about, time? about the changing of church. Uh, like uh, the changing of Christianity <laughs> and what's coming. Like, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tooting our horn like, oh, man, we're so right and everybody's been wrong. That's not no, what I'm saying. You kind of are. You kind of are. Well, maybe a little bit, but I'm just saying what the bigger point here is we have actually said things and people thought, well, they're just cussing. Or we've said things, people say, well, they're just being subversive. But right. the things that we've said we are coming to fruition, and it, we live in such an exciting time where people way smarter than us, way more articulate, way more graceful and caring, are going to take the baton and move this into a real change where we're going to see something crazy. Because you're seeing somebody like Jonathan Martin, who is passionate about politics or uh our government and what's happening to people uh and social and cultural issues and also loves jesus it, it, mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that, that it's okay it's going to be okay to love jesus and not just be satisfied sitting in first baptist church in your in your local neighborhood like yeah like, I mean, like just sure. it, just accepting the norm is no longer going to be acceptable that's right very well, exciting yeah. to me yeah, for sure, because it's the thing where, I mean, I'm telling you, if you want to go down that road of stuff that we've been talking about, 
that I mean Joey's a good example of it because he's usually I think he would say that he's been on the side of the general public more so and me and Toby have been spouting some stuff that sounds like nonsense that's starting to sound more and more realistic or at least the timelines are moving up faster than maybe people anticipated of stuff that we discussed which would which I think you're talking about you know the like Jonathan just alluded to a schism of or a div- division from or like Joey said the other week like I'm not that or th- talking about something as being ex evangelical right. or post Christian or you know it's the separation of the politics and the power structure of Christianity from what it is and I I can't get it out of my head the notion just that look if you were in any kind of if it was the Bible now and you just tried to analyze things, there would be Donald Trump. I mean, I don't know. Let's make an analogy of it. He'd be like Caesar or something, right? And then all the people that you hear on Twitter and see and pastors and churches and political activists and social justice warriors, all these people are like Roman citizens and uh, Sadducees and Pharisees and uh, the senators from the regions. That's everything. And guess where Christianity is? Nowhere on that fucking radar at all is some other person very far away from all the power structures and the gospel is very separate from places where there's financial and power gains to be made. The gospel was not yep. on the radar of any of those things. And so if I look around today, I see, again, the professors and the best authors and the, you know, the top journalists and the politicians and the preachers and the pastors and it's all noise it's all nonsense and it's not where that's uh, just not the primary yep. places where the things that should matter to christians and the gospel really take place that's what i believe and Ju- so I've, justin I've, uh justin hartford from the bc club by the way which you should join and joy will tell you more about that in just a second he he facebooked us today and said andy stanley just said post-Christian at an event that I'm working at. And, I, and, right and, and it, was, it, it was interesting because Andy Stanley wrote, it says, decision number one, think post rather than non. It's not non-Christian. That's not where we're headed. Like Jesus no, is as strong not. as ever. And and maybe even stronger. Like maybe for the first time we're reclaimed. Like this is a real reformation we're in. It's like that. We're, well, we're on the anniversary. The, the big analogy oh, there it, is, is printing press. And I've said this for Three, four, I've said this for five years, I'm sure, but printing press, information explosion, reformation. Late 90s internet, information explosion, and then whatever the fuck is about to happen right now. But it's not nothing. And you know what I mean? This this is something different. Whatever will be the future won't, the past will seem silly. Whatever the church, this and the blah, blah, all this stuff's gonna seem silly because some things are gonna be way different. Pretty soon. It might be another decade or two. I don't know. I'm mean, no timeline issue here, but this is a hinge point moment in at least world history. Yep. And and this is of course all tied to the internet. And of course in Christianity too. Of course this is a hinge point. It's it's, it's my world. What are we gonna be us? Uh, and then the other people like to say, but it's a pendulum swing. It'll be back to normal soon. Get out of here with that. Of course not. Yeah, come on. There are things that are pendulum uh, swings, but I, I, what we're not I about to go so, back to normal yeah. soon. There ain't we're not going back to normal I, on any of this. Totally. I am so excited that we live in a time where I really believe this, that our faith in our God, our Christianity, our belief in Jesus Christ can be more integrated into our normal everyday life than it ever has been before. We live in a day and age right now where Jesus 
is important in our job, in our politics, in our the way we treat our neighbors, the way the way we treat each other, the way we treat education, the way we treat healthcare. In all aspects, Christ is now becoming more prevalent in our decisions and our daily life than the last decades and decades and maybe even centuries. It was a Sunday. It was right. something that you Absolutely. did. You went to church. Now you we we might be becoming the church. It's, that's yeah, a and great that's way to very look at danger, it. That's right. very dangerous to those authoritarians who are like, no, nah, let's keep it this way. Let's keep it that's, this of way. Of course, that's where the money they, they is. have nothing to the do but loss. They have a loss of well, power and loss of money to face, and that is what they right. are facing. And you see them reacting to that. It's very yep. exciting, and you can tell talking to somebody like Jonathan Martin or what we're saying now. Okay, I mean, this is pretty easy to sum that up and say, I get it. Pro Jesus, post Christian. Okay, it's going to make. If it doesn't make a ton of sense now, it will soon. Yeah, yep. and the church is becoming less and less culturally relevant, which that used to not be the case. It used to be, and that's okay. Everyone's and a Christian. Everybody, it's no, it is definitely good. I mean, I I, I think it is very good because then it changed. I mean, so let's let's uh, let's get even more extreme. Let's actually talk Christian persecution, which there isn't a whole lot of that in America. But that is actually when the gospel flourishes. And so I think exactly what Toby said, as far as it being a part of our everyday life, that is a result because well, it's not it's not culturally relevant, so it has to be a part of our everyday. Anyway, BC Club, thebcclub.com. It is the hey, this is the best BC Club in the whole world, and you can. There's go not there. a better one. No, there's not a better BC no. Club. No, you go to in other the universes. There could be. I couldn't speak on that. Like parallel universes might have way better ones, but not in this one. That's buddy. true. There, well, there's the B, the Bullcock Club. <laughs> That's no good. Yeah. Yeah. Boston College has a club that I heard about. It sucks. That one's really lame. Shitty. It's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Look at their football team, for crying out loud. And then you have the the Bogus Coot uh, Club. <laughs> 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 I, you know how many times I've seen a Bogus Coot? And it just pisses me off. <laughs> There's not a lot of members that, you know, a lot of people aren't passionate no. about it. But it's a small. If community. you're gonna give me a coot, make it authentic. I want an authentic. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll be a part of the AC club. I'm not gonna be a bogus coot. That pisses the, me right you, off. Nothing. Got, nothing makes me more mad than a bogus coot. And Go the ahead, booger, Jared, this, the booger crunchers. That's a. Bit, oh. That's actually they're actually flourishing a little bit. The booger crunchers there in uh, Salem. I think I um, don't even want to say it, but <laughs> I'm not gonna say. What. <laughs> I had a real bad one I was going to say. I'm pray, pray, thank you, God, for people like Jonathan Martin that reel me in, make me realize that if you say things a little bit better, it's better for the world. <laughs> That's not what people want from you, though. No. Of, of yeah. Out of the three of us, people do not you want know filtered gift, Toby. Right. A filtered Toby is just a, a pretty much useless. Yeah, it's kind of like I was if, gonna a, say if, two if, if salt loses sure its saltiness. <laughs> What what two profanities would I've used together for BC? <laughs> I know this. Oh, okay, tell, the pe- gotcha. tell the people, tell the people, Joey, about the people in the BC club because these people are saints. These people are changing the world. Yeah, and if you're listening to this episode for the first time, you Jonathan Martin fans out there, thanks for joining us. And yes. uh, the BC club, you, if if you're supporting Jonathan Martin in any way, you want to go ahead and just stop that. Because basically, what we're doing—don't stop that. No, I'm you can kidding. Do both I'm kidding. Anyway, thebcclub.com. Uh, the two most significant perks are, first of all, 
you get an extra podcast Nudes episode. Of Joey. Second of all, you get access to so much community around the world. But here's the reality. The reality is that most people there in the BC Club are doing it because they really want to support us and, and they are further doing what we're doing because they see us and God's kingdom as kind of one and the same. So equal, yes, They're basically the same. <laughs> kind of, yes. Synonymous. All right, so the yeah, these people, Keenan, God's Co- kingdom, <laughs> Keenan Kofke. Hey, hey, t- you're about to tell people about the kingdom dwellers. Yeah. Yeah, these are kingdom dwellers. Uh, these people, you might as well just be walking on streets of gold right now. And Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give me the first one. I already did. Keenan Kofke. Keenan Kofke, you shall be blessed this week. Miles Lehman. Tanner. Miles Lehman, you've been wanting that pool. You're going to get that pool. Tanner Con- Conticelli. Tanner, you might be about to lose your job, but guess what? One's right around the corner. Bruce Wilkie. Bruce Wilkie, I know you. You have a big truck. Guess what? Take it to the car wash. Ride it around America. Trent Escu and Jonathan Bradley. Trent Escu and Jonathan Bradley. You two seem like best friends. Barry Cam, Barry Carroll, Robbie Cruz, Emily Shepard, Marcella. You're too fast. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Marcella Reed. Oh my gosh, you are going to do great things this week. And Jessica Morell. Jessica Morell, thank you for your contribution to my bedroom. <laughs> On that Casper. <laughs> you took it too far. That's actually, fuck you, man. <laughs> Seriously, Joey, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were having a good time, and you went and said something, some nasty fucking shit like that. Fuck you. I'm done with this fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all go to emorymusic.com. I, like, I sound like I'm laughing, but I'm upset. He's upset. He's upset. He'll calm I'm down, really though, if you guys off. will come see us in person. We're going to be playing tour dates up in the Northeast soon. Go to emorymusic.com, oh, yes, get those tickets for $10, the and then Southeast go add too. our new album, Revival, on Spotify. It's a bunch of reimagined Woo. songs, full production. It's awesome. Woo. And if you haven't got onto the Matt and Toby bandwagon, we got hymns. Oh, we got original God. songs. We got good stuff, and that's on Spotify. It don't cost you nothing. If you, I promise, yeah. if you listen to that, Just Matt and it. Toby, you will, you will lose your proverbial shit. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. You will. See y'all. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Hey guys, Emery is headed back out on tour November 13th through 19th. Charlotte, North Carolina at the Neighborhood Theater, Richmond, Virginia at Canal Club, Baltimore, Maryland at the Auto Bar, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Voltage Lounge, New York City, New York at Bowery Electric, Rochester, New York at Funkin' Waffles, and Cleveland, Ohio at the Beachland Ballroom. General admission and VIP tickets available at emerymusic.com. Uh-huh.